Welcome to Scaling with Disha, the show that helps online entrepreneurs to scale their business to six figures and beyond without the hustle or the overheads. I'm your host, Disha Waddup, and I'll be here each week to remind you that you can do anything you set your mind to. Welcome to another episode of Scaling with Disha. I am so excited that you are here. If you haven't already hit the subscribe button, make sure you go ahead and do that now. I am here with Michelle today and I am so excited. Michelle Room is a business coach with more than 15 years of her marketing and PR experience with nonprofits, agencies, and big corporations. And now she helps small business owners grow to six figures with more freedom and peace. Michelle believes every woman entrepreneur should be able to get clients whenever she wants. And she understands the challenges of limited resources and time and shares her proven methods for visibility and relationship building to get clients and grow your business. Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. So tell us more about your story. Share more about what you do, how you got here, what what happened. Yeah. So I'm a business coach who um, specializes in marketing. I, as you mentioned, have a substantial marketing and PR career. Um, I come from a couple of backgrounds, most recently before I started my business, a corporate background, but I also worked in nonprofit. I worked for a PR agency. Like I did a lot. And it wasn't until I had my first child, I have three boys at home. Um, when I had my first child, everything changed. Obviously priorities changed. Um, I no longer wanted to commute in and out of the city. I really still wanted a career, but I always had the vision for starting my own business. I just thought that it would be something I did, you know, when I was in my fifties and the kids were out of the house and I don't know what my, my vision was there. Thank goodness. I didn't listen to that. <laughs> um, and so when I had my first, my first child, there were opportunities that um, arose for me during maternity leave. And it became a situation where I had to decide, like, am I going to let these, let these opportunities pass me by or am I going to take a chance here and actually go for this dream that I have a lot sooner than I expected to? And it was nerve wracking. I mean, six months, you know, starting a business with a six month old at home, very, very nerve wracking. But I went for it. That was almost five and a half years ago. And now here I am um, that that little baby is now almost six. And I've added two more boys to the to the mix um, since. And I have to say that while the journey definitely always has its up and ups and downs, um, so much has been provided for my family as a result of my business. I've met so many incredible, amazing women. Um, and I feel like in many ways, I'm just getting started. Yes, I love that. What what was it that you started? How did you start the business? What like Did you just, we, we straight away a business coach? How did that sort of start? No, I did not start into coaching. I um, started uh, like full service. So taking what I was doing for the corporation that I worked for and doing it for small business owners. So a lot of the small business owners that were coming to me who were, you know, friends and family um, were basically saying like, I don't know how to utilize social for my business. What do I do? And so I sort of started using my social media experience to market for them and do the work for them. And it wasn't until I was about, I would say a year and a half into business that I A, hired my own coach and B, started really looking into like business coaching. 
And it was really because I wanted to target women who were running businesses. Obviously, there were a lot at the time. There are way more now. And I knew that they didn't necessarily need someone to come in and just take over and do the work for them. They needed a guide. And I wanted to be that guide for them. And that's how I started dipping my toe into coaching. It still took a couple of years to like fully transition um, just strictly into coaching. But yeah, I did not start out as a coach. I started out as doing anything and everything marketing related, like social media, blog writing, email marketing, like website update. Like, I don't know what I had so many different services I was offering. And I'm, I'm laughing because I feel like so many people can relate to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. Do you think, what, what was the thing that helped you scale? I'm, I'm assuming not offering all of the different services was definitely no, one of those no. things. Um, I was thinking about like, what were the top things that helped me scale? And one of them for sure has been focusing on fewer services. Um, even getting into coaching, there were still, you know, I, I focused on, on one-on-one coaching, obviously to start. Um, that's how I got my first 10K month. And then as a result, and, and inevitably, like if you're a coach, um, even if you're not, like you'll face this where you, you just have limited time. If you're a service provider and you're giving your time, like you don't have all the time in the world. And so for me, I had to look at, okay, how can I serve more people um, without taking up more of my time? And that's how my group program was born. And now I've had this group program for almost three years at this point. Um, I'm at the point where I'm going all in on the group program and like having fewer one-on-one clients. So it's sort of shifting in the other direction. But my point is, is that simplifying has been huge. There have been some offers that I've actually given up, even though they were, you know, maybe good money in the short term. I knew that long term, they weren't going to support my vision. And I, I heard this quote from um, Brooke Castillo from the Life Coach School. She, she talks about not picking up the, the nickels and dimes off the floor. And I feel like a lot of people are doing that by offering so many different services and services that maybe like initially give you a little boost of cash, but are taking up so much of your time and aren't profitable in the long run. And so I had to get really, really clear about what was profitable in the long run and what was I going to go all in on? Like, what do I want to become known for? And I think that's a really important part of scaling that everybody, regardless of whether you're a coach or not, will face. Oh, that's really good. An interesting quote, actually. I quite like that about, so how did you figure out what was going to be worth putting your time into and what was going to be worth dropping? Was there a sort of way that you figured that out or just eeny meeny? Testing, testing. Yeah. Yeah, Testing. Um, you know, it wasn't a random decision. It was more so looking at like, what were people gravitating toward? What were people asking for? What did I really enjoy providing? Like what, um, you know, gave me that energy and testing and refining. Um, you know, I didn't go all into my group program when I first started it because I needed to see how it evolved and, and how, you know, people responded to it. Also, my lifestyle has changed, right? I've gone through different seasons of life since starting my business. Now I'm a mom of three boys, two of whom are in school. And um, it's just, you know, there, there are different things that I need right now, um, you know, or, or I guess I should say that I need of my business to support my life. And so my offers, I think, are, are evolving, you know, with the season that I'm in too. And so a lot of it is certainly like instinct and listening to my audience and understanding kind of where I'm at and what I need. But then I will also say just see, like looking at the numbers and seeing like, what are people gravitating toward? What's selling, right? And, and doing that. So kind of a combination of both. 
Yeah, I think that it's really important to know what your reason is and what is going on in your own life. And one of the things that I talk to my clients around is like, my big thing is holidays. I'm a single woman. I love going on a holiday. So I'm like, when are you taking your holidays? When is that factored into your businesses? When is it looking into your launches? Like look far out for the next year. When are you planning those holidays? And what does that look like for your business so that your income isn't going up and down and all around? And even when, you, when you've got kids, like school holidays, a lot of my clients who are moms like want to take off the school holidays. I'm like, okay, so we work out that piece so that they're not income isn't going up and down or how that looks when they building their business out so that they've got a plan going forward right. rather than just being going oh I don't want to work now for the next month right. <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> pack everything else in yeah do you think that um how have you structured your business as you've grown how has it changed as you've evolved and gone through those seasons now I have a team that's, that's number two for scaling. Right. Um, now, now I have a team of people, like I have two full-time employees at this point in my business. And so, um, for me, like I didn't obviously start out with that. I started with a VA, you know, and, and kind of evolved from there, but, um, delegating and like having like, like telling. So for example, after we talked this morning, right, I'm going to be jumping on a team meeting telling them what the goal is for the new quarter and allowing them the time and space to implement what we talk about. So that's such a huge shift for me. I think it's a big shift for a lot of people because we're so used to wearing all the hats, doing all the things. And um, yeah, like I have to allow my team to take ownership of certain projects, even if that means failing like in having things not go according to plan, putting them in positions where they, they can fail and learn from it. And that is very difficult for an entrepreneur who's been running her business for five and a half years to do. So my business looks different in that I'm not doing the day-to-day. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not doing anything, right? But I'm focused on the things that I can do really, really well that only I can do, which is obviously serving my clients, um, creating content, things like that, my team can handle a lot more. And I've had to get really comfortable allowing somebody else to step into my business and start taking over those things. How did you letting go of control? Yeah. Yeah. How did I get comfortable? Well, I feel like I'm like a a kid that like, you have to like have throws a temper tantrum first and then, you know, gets over it. Um, I, I think delegating small things, like starting to delegate, it's not like I hired somebody and then the next day gave them over full control <laughs> of my business. Um, you know, delegating little things, starting to kind of test what they can and can't do and then delegating bigger things. So it's a process. That's business, right? Business is a process. Business isn't just snap your fingers and suddenly you have the desired result. It's, it's taking those small intentional steps every single day to get to your goal. And so that's how I became more comfortable with it. I also just have to work on my own mind around that, right? Like just because I have a team doesn't mean I'm suddenly magically able to let go of control. Many times I have to tell my team, like fire me from that, please. Like I shouldn't be dipping my toe in. I shouldn't be like touching that, right? Um, And they always kind of laugh, but it's true. And so for me, you know, really like working on my own mindset, my own thoughts about, you know, what, what fears I have coming up around delegating, 
why, why am I afraid? What am I afraid will happen? What's the likelihood of that happening? And just really kind of working through that. Yeah. And with your team, are you a remote team or are you physically? Mm -hmm. Fantastic. How did you find that hiring and working with a remote team? Was that something you had experienced with before or? Um, I mean, I've worked in my previous position before I started my business, I had a remote uh, manager. And so I, I was sort of used to that. Um, I found one of my team members on indeed.com. I found another one on another special job site, um, for actually for hiring from the, the Philippines. And so, you know, I, I found them and through like those job sites and they started out with just a couple hours a week and kind of grew into both of them into the full-time positions that they're in now. Um, which is really cool because they've been able to see just the different phases of my company. Like one of them has been there for two years and served in all the roles when I went out on maternity leave last year with my youngest son. So um, it's just been really interesting, but that's how, I mean, you know, I I think there that your network is bigger than you think it is. And so, you know, within your network, there are people who know of certain people who might be looking. And I think for me getting clarity on what it is that I'm looking for, what's the role, what's the responsibility. And that's something that I have a coach who helps me do, right? Like shout out to my coach for supporting me with that because I certainly couldn't do it on my own. And so um, I think for me, like I just had to learn how to let go of control and it's been an ever evolving process because as my business grows and gets bigger, I'll be honest, the need for control definitely comes (laughs) back up even more. And I don't think it's something that ever fully goes away. And I think when we expect it to go away, we get more upset, if you will, when it comes up again, right? Um, I try to sort of just let that go and know that it's going to be something that always comes up because my business is my baby. There, it's funny, isn't it? We we come across every time we get a little bit bigger, or every time we come up yep. and reach a new milestone, there is so much more mindset stuff that comes up that you're like, oh crap, now I've got to go and deal with that. Right, right, <laughs> right exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've had a, a lot as well. You're like, oh, money stuff, or you know, growing. And you're like, okay, I'm just gonna go back to square one again and do this again. <laughs> yep. How did you find stepping away from your business when you went on maternity leave? Because I know a few people listening will be like, whoa, she did what? How did that work? Yeah. So leading up to it, I took a month long maternity leave. I should have taken longer. I'll be honest with you on that one. Um, And that's something I would definitely recommend to anybody listening who finds themselves in that situation. Um, I felt very nervous leading up to it. Like I remember telling my coach, I'm afraid that this baby is going to tank my business because literally like, so obviously the first child, I didn't have a business when he was born. The second child was born. um, How long had I had my business at that point? Second child was born like a year after I started my business. And my business wasn't big enough yet to like you know, really stress about, about that. Right. Um, I mean, there were other stresses, but my business wasn't at the level that it was then when I had my third child, you know, I was running, I am running a multi six figure business and had crossed over into that territory when I had my third child. And so there was a lot more to manage in terms of clients, team and all of that. And I remember feeling really, really nervous that I wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, and so for me, I had to get support around like delegating and letting go of that stuff, um, trusting that my team and myself, like we would all be able to figure out any situation that came up. And there were situations that came up. Um, 
And none of those things, like having the baby, dealing with the situations that came up, like none of them tanked my business, far from it. My business did really, really phenomenal last year. And that's, you know, taking a month off, like being with my child, being with my family. Um, I wish I had taken longer. I should have. I did let some situations that occurred with clients, like make me feel like I had to come back sooner, which wasn't great. Um, but lesson learned there. And I think that for me realizing like, wow, I really have built the level of freedom that I wanted in my business. I just need to give myself, I need to allow myself to enjoy that freedom. I think that was a big lesson that I learned is you can build a business that gives you that freedom because I had by that point, but can you let yourself enjoy it? I think there's a difference there. And a lot of people are not letting themselves enjoy it. Yes. I love that. not letting yourself enjoy the freedom because, and I, I know that I'm guilty of that. And I've set my calendar up. So I'm like, I don't have to work Mondays and Fridays if I don't want to. I don't take calls then. We're recording this podcast on a Monday. So (laughs) that's already out the window and it's Monday. And I generally work Fridays anyway, but I'm like, they're not in the calendar. So I don't have to. And that phrase you just said letting yourself enjoy the freedom that you've created in your business I'm like okay I'm gonna remember that that one I'm gonna yeah that. yeah like I take Fridays off to be I mean obviously my other two are at school but my youngest I spend the day with him and you know do I do I let myself enjoy those Fridays right like I can truly say I have been like the last you know couple of weeks even month or so um I've really been enjoying those Fridays with him but in the past I didn't used to I didn't used to allow myself I'd still be like feeling like I had to check in. And I'm like, no, you don't. My clients love that I do that. My clients love that I do that because I'm setting an example for them of how to run a business that actually honors the boundaries that you want to honor. Yeah. I love that. So with, what do you think is the thing that helped you scale to multi six figures? Like, is there one thing you said, the group program, like how are you using ads organic? What was it that marketing wise that you've used thousand percent my Facebook group thousand percent my Facebook group all organic no ads um I have grown a group of we're just hit six thousand members last week which is awesome and I will honestly because I am so passionate about this for this very reason because it has allowed me to scale um, knowing that I have potential leads that are always at my fingertips always coming in has given me the freedom that we're talking about, right? Of not having to wonder like, where is my next client coming from? Oh no, how much time do I have to spend looking for a client? I don't have to spend any time. They're they're here. Case in point, I have a one-on-one coaching spot that just opened up that very rarely opens up, right? Hence what we talked about with me starting to shift. Um, But I have a spot that opened. And I literally like sent out, you know, put out one post, sent out one email and I've got four people as of this morning, this was like on Friday being like, I'm interested, you know, and I only have one spot. So I say that because I think that for so many women, they feel like they have to work so hard to fill their spots. They feel like they have to work so hard to become known right for their area of expertise and running my Facebook group. And it hasn't been an overnight process. I want to be very clear about that, but running my Facebook group and going all in on that as my marketing um, strategy 
has uh, hands down allowed me to scale. It's allowed me to fill my group program. It's allowed me to always make sure that I'm fully booked, right? It's allowed me to, you know, because I'm fully booked, raise my rates and scale that way. Um, and so I, I can't say it enough. I mean, I think if you're marketing on Facebook, it's hard not to make the case for Facebook groups because they are so utilized and Facebook itself is putting more emphasis behind groups and the content in them. Yeah. But regardless of where you're showing up, having a community of leads that you are always growing and then always nurturing and building relationships with those leads. That is how you scale. Everybody likes to talk about automation and automation can be part of it, right? But you can't automate relationships. Yes. If you try to, I think you actually will do the opposite of scale. Yes. I love that. You can't automate relationships. <laughs> I'm writing that down. That is brilliant. How do you think your Facebook or how have you shown up in your Facebook group to encourage those leads and nurture those leads and grow that group consistently? Yeah. So number one, like be a real human and talk to people about business and share, you know, my knowledge and focus just on serving them and, and serving them with not just my knowledge, but with content and making connections between, you know, the members, um, in the group pre-selling, like, literally before someone gets on a sales call with me, I'm not afraid to talk about what I do, who I do it for, why I do it well. We do client tell-alls where we bring in our clients, where I share, you know, stories about my journey um, and be very, you know, open and transparent. Like I just shared lessons that I learned during a, a launch that I just did last week. Um, immediately after that launch, I journaled on the launch and then I shared a picture of what I journaled on and literally wrote out like, here are my lessons. And that did really, really well. Um, and so I'm continually like establishing my credibility and authority as an expert, but also coming in from the perspective of like, I don't have it all figured out. I haven't fully arrived. That's not the goal, right? And so I think that it really draws people in because they can relate to my story. They can see themselves in it. And who doesn't want to work with someone like that? And so because I'm showing up consistently, because I'm taking the time to serve them, but then also being very like unapologetically clear about the fact that I can support you, like those three things have allowed me to continually get clients from my group. Like we have about, it's about an average of 90 days when someone joins our group before they decide to work with us. And I said average, cause it can be shorter, can be longer, but um, that's really cool, right? Like that ensures yeah. that I always am talking to potential clients um, because not everybody is ready. Not everybody is ready. And we leave space for those people too, but we talk to the people who are ready as well, right? Like there's messages for both. Yeah. Um, groups. And I think that's why having a Facebook group is so cool because it allows you to speak to the people who are ready and sign them on now, but then also the people who aren't like still give them a, you know, a place to be right. A place to hang out where they can become ready. And you can't really do that with ads. And I'm not saying ads are bad, right? Yeah. Like I have utilized ads. They're just not my primary marketing strategy. Um, and I'm not utilizing them right now. And so I say this because I think that at, at the core, regardless of whatever else you do, you need to have, you know, an audience that you are actively building because that's what, like, that's the way the world has gone, right? Like that's no matter what passing fad comes through, like relationships will always be important, especially for service providers, right? If you're selling like handmade soap, right? Like we're maybe <laughs> talking about something different here, but we're yeah. talking to service providers, right? Like your, your brain, your knowledge is basically what you are selling. And so you want to make sure that you are kind of giving people insight into that so that they know what to expect if they decide to work with you. 
Yes, I love that. How do you track? Because you said a, a key phrase that 90 days from somebody joining your group to working with you. How do you track that process? Oh, we have a whole lead tracker. This is something I give my clients when they work with me. Um, we have a lead tracker. So we know when someone comes in, like we, we make an initial connection with them. And then depending on how that initial conversation goes, like what they say they're struggling with, et cetera, we track that. And so what we usually see is when we make that initial connections, doesn't happen with everybody, but with the, with the right people, um, they'll start showing up. They'll start watching our content. We'll see the same names kind of, you know, appear. And that tells us like this person is interested. This person is sort of almost like self-selecting themselves, right. And yeah. through our content. And so that's where we'll take, you know, special care to reach out to them, to see how they're doing, to build that relationship. And then when we have spots for things available or we, we're launching something that, you know, because we've tracked them in our lead tracker, they are like the priority person that we go to, right? Not everybody in our group is going to work with us. We don't go out to all 6,000 people and tell them about, right? Like individually message them. Like that would take up way too much time and it wouldn't be effective. So we're always within those, those 6,000 members, tracking like who is showing up, who is asking questions, who is engaging with us, right? So that we can kind of prioritize who the hot leads are because not every lead is hot and that's okay. It's not supposed to be. I think when you try to make every lead hot and you want to like just convince everybody in your audience to work with you, you miss the opportunity to really nurture a relationship with the people who are ready now, because there's always going to be people who need more time. There are always going to be people who don't ever want to work with you or plan to, and just like are your cheerleaders. And then there will always be people who, um, because they're watching your content, because they're going through the process of thinking about what they need, who are becoming ready to work with you. Yeah. I love that you mentioned, um, there around, when they're ready and how they connect with you and tracking them through that process. Because I think I, I've had this conversation recently with some of my clients. I'm like, stop strangling your leads. Like they're so desperate. They're like, this person's gonna sign up. I just know it. I'm like, well, let's not strangle them just yet. Like maybe go find some other people to talk to and come back to them because yeah. they feel like you're killing them before they've even like said yep. yes. They're yep. just so desperate. Yep. And I think having the multiple conversations and having all of those things going on and being able to track everything, that is the key to not strangling those. There's one or two leads that are like, yeah, maybe I'll work with you. And then you get so excited, like, yes, okay. The world's going to end if these people doesn't sign up. Right. Which Right. I've exactly. seen so often. So it happened. Yep. Yep. Same. Do Same. you, how have you grown your group? What has been the thing that has helped you grow your group? Hanging out in other Facebook groups. So, um, hanging out in other groups, talking to people, um, you know, looking for conversations that I can weigh in on, you know, questions about finding clients, questions about marketing, like questions about business and just weighing in and then also not being afraid to tell people like, I, I, this is what I talk about inside of my group, like, and ask for permission, you know, if they want more details. Um, I certainly promote my group pretty regularly on Instagram. Um, I promote my group in my profile. Like if I'm doing a live or something juicy inside of my group on a topic that I think people care about, like I will definitely promote that on my profile so that the people that I'm connected with there can, can join. So um, even on my podcast, it's in the show notes, like all roads point to my Facebook group. And this is something that I think a lot of people overlook and it makes their marketing strategy very disjointed and keeps them from scaling faster is because they're trying to like build an audience over here and then here and then here and then here. It's like 
everybody knows if you really want to hang out with me, you're going to join the market like a boss group and we're going to hang out. And that's how I nurture the relationship. And so by the time people get in there, some people already knew me because they listened to my podcast or they watched a story on Instagram. And so they're that much warmer. And that certainly helps with the 90 day thing that I mentioned, right? The average yeah. of 90 days before they, they decide to work with us. We have that level of confidence that if someone gets in our group, they'll work with us if they're the right person. Nice. And so it's like all roads point there. Like yeah. When we send out emails, right? Like in every email signature, join our Facebook group. Like that is our main hub. And I think a lot of people don't have that or maybe aren't marketing their main hub. Um, and so it's, it's sort of kind of breaking up your audience and making it a little harder to, to grow that community. Yeah. I had a question from one of my clients actually, so I'm going to push this onto you. Sure. Um, how do you manage that time on Facebook? Because she was like, I'm spending all this time on Facebook. How do I manage that? And I gave her some tips, but I'd love to hear the way that you do it and your team manage that throughout the day where you don't get sucked into the scroll. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, we have an editorial calendar, so we know what's going out when. Um, we schedule things, we batch schedule. Um, so like all of our content for this week, I mean, we're recording this on a Monday, as you said, all of our content for this week is scheduled, locked and loaded. Like there's nothing that I have to go in and do. Anytime I write a piece of content, um, we add it to a shared Google doc so that my team can pull content to repurpose so that I'm not like constantly creating brand new stuff all the time, unless I want to. Um, what else do we do that really helps? We use ClickUp and that's a super helpful tool, like for everybody to be on the same page. Um, I think too, like we just, like we just, I mean, because we've been running the group for three, over three years now, um, almost three and a half, like we sort of just have a system in place. Like we know, okay, if, if people are commenting on this particular prompt, someone needs to engage with them. That's built in. That's something that my team does. Um, I would say that we, again, repurpose as much as possible. <clears throat> we have a calendar so we know like what's going out when, and then we set boundaries. Like we set timers for things, right. To make sure that we're not, you know, overstepping. I think if someone is, is constantly on Facebook to me, that's, that's definitely a boundary thing, but I would also look at like, what are your thoughts about why you're on Facebook all the time? Like, are you feeling like you have to be on there posting or engaging, or you're not going to get a client. Cause we also rest in the fact that like every day, as long as we're taking some form of action to promote our group or promote our service, um, like we can trust that everything we're doing is adding up to like the end result, if that makes sense. Yeah. I love that. So I, I'm a big fan of those timers because I think mm -hmm. so often, especially if you've got a strategy where you can go into other people's groups, you can spend so much time in there and you're like, oh crap, there's an hour gone past and all I've done is yeah. like engage in this well, Facebook and, group. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's threads that you're responding to, like save those, put those yeah. in your saved items and return to them the next day. Like you don't have to do everything all at once. That's not how this works. Yeah. I like that saved items. That's a really good point yeah. to add them into your saved items. Yeah. And ClickUp was something that my, my OBM is trying to get me into at the moment. And I've got a to-do list in there. And that's about as far as I've got right now. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm like, I know this can do so much more and I need to explore it. Um, but yeah, right now I've got a to-do list and that's, that's as much. That is a, that's your start. That's your start. Right. That's a big thing for me because she has asked me for about a year now. Like, where do you keep your to-do list? I'm like, in my head. <laughs> I just know what yeah. I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. okay, we need to get this out on ClickUp. Yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
So I love that because it's a good task management thing for your whole team, right? You can distribute yep. tasks and stuff. Yep. Cool. What have we not discussed that you came here to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Gosh, I think we've talked about all the things. Um, I think just, you know, there's so much that we've talked about related to like taking action with scaling. I also just want to reiterate that so much of scaling is scaling in your own mind too. Like, you know, yes, you can take action, but what are you thinking about your ability to scale your business and whatever scaling looks like for you? Um, you know, at every point that I, you know, either brought in a new offer or increased my prices or whatever, there was always that little voice that was like, you're not going to be able to do it. It's not <laughs> work. This is as good as it gets. I think that's a really like prevalent thought for a lot of women who are scaling is like, what if I've already reached my ceiling and my prime, and this is as good as it gets and I can't do better. Right. It's kind of like the yeah. dark side of success, which I've talked about before. So I think um, just recognizing that that's normal, but also recognizing that most of the work you need to do when you scale isn't necessarily about like the external actions. It's more so, um, you know, taking care of yourself and recognizing like it doesn't have to be perfect, right? It's not going to feel perfect. And um, you're like the best is still yet to come. Like, I think that's a really cool thought for people who are scaling. Like what if the best hasn't even happened yet for you? Yes, I love that. The best is yet to come. That is awesome. That is an amazing note to finish on, I think, right there. <laughs> the yeah, best is right. yet to I didn't come. even plan that one, but there you go. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, okay, tell us where people can connect with you. You've men mentioned your group, which we will definitely include in yep. the show notes. Where else can people connect with you and how can they find out more about you? Yeah, my group market like a boss for sure. Cause I share so much, um, you know, honesty and transparency too. I actually did a live in there about, um, like seven figure moves that I'm making. And so a lot of that is related to scaling and the, the difficulty and challenges that I've had from a mental perspective this year. Like I open up about that. And so if anybody, you know, listening, really enjoyed this conversation and wants more of that, I think that would be a great live. So if you request to join the market, like a boss group, I'd be happy to tag you in that live. Um, if you mentioned where you found me and then, you know, I also have a podcast, same name market, like a boss, where I talk a lot about, again, like, you know, where my business is at, where we're going challenges that I know a lot of you are facing. And so I think that's also a really great resource for, um, women who, are at different stages of business, right? Like wherever you're at, there's something there for you in, in that podcast. Yes, I love it. And I will include all the notes down below as well so people can go and check them out. Thank you so much for joining us today. I, you've dropped so many bombs. I've written so much down. I'm like, yes, so many amazing phrases that I cannot wait to pull out of this episode. So thank you so much for joining us. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. It was a blast. Thank you. Okay. So if everybody is watching, listening, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review if you haven't already done so. And we will see you next week for another episode of Scaling with Disha. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And I really hope that you genuinely learned something from today's episode. If you found this episode useful, then please hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. I personally read each and every one. Until next time. Bye.